This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where it's so cool now that the air conditioning only runs 20 hours a day. On today's Sunrise, Florida lawmakers in Washington gear up for the possibility of impeachment hearings. We'll check in with GOP consultant and Trump hater Rick Wilson to see if this is the real thing or just a sideshow. Ron DeSantis breaks his silence on the firing of Susie Wiles, who helped him win the governor's race last year. He says it has nothing to do with the leaked emails that seem to show a pay-for-play system in the governor's office for lobbyists who wanted FaceTime with DeSantis. Despite complaints that none of the applicants were qualified, the governor and cabinet hire a new chief judge for the state agency that is supposed to serve as a check on the governor's agencies. They picked a guy who already works for DeSantis. This is Suicide Prevention Month, and Florida's attorney general says she's especially concerned about suicides by law enforcement officers. We'll also have your daily calendar and the latest on Florida Man, including a bathroom brawl and a case of battery by avocado. And now the top stories on Sunrise for September 25th, 2019. All the talk out of D.C. these days about the unfolding drama over Ukraine means Florida's congressional delegation will have to face up to the possible impeachment of Donald Trump. The president has admitted holding up almost $400 million in aid to help Ukraine resist the Russians and asking Ukraine's President Zelensky to investigate Joe Biden's son. Tampa Congresswoman Kathy Castor says impeachment should be on the fast track. She made her decision just a few hours after The Washington Post reported that Trump put a hold on that aid package approved by Congress just one week before his phone call with the Ukrainian president. Representatives Lois Frankel and Donna Shalala also calling for an impeachment investigation. Florida Senator Marco Rubio, who serves on the Intelligence Committee, says Trump was wrong to raise Biden during the call. But Rubio is dismissing calls for impeachment and says there's no evidence yet of a quid pro quo offer by Trump of military aid in exchange for investigating Hunter Biden. But if there was a quid pro quo, Rubio says that would be a different matter. So after everything that's occurred over the past couple of years in the Trump administration, is Ukraine the final straw? Later in the program, we'll talk with Rick Wilson, a Republican political consultant who's been one of the president's most frequent critics. His most recent book is entitled, Everything Trump Touches Dies. The governor is defending his decision to remove Susie Wiles from his fundraising team and from a leadership role at the Republican Party of Florida. Wiles helped Rick Scott, Donald Trump, and DeSantis win their elections in Florida when all three were expected to lose. But she was banished by the governor after some leaked emails bearing her name appeared to show his fundraisers were selling access to special interest lobbyists by charging as much as $100,000 to join the governor for a round of golf. Some of his people suspect Wiles leaked those emails, but DeSantis told reporters that had nothing to do with her removal. Um, so I had never seen those memos before. That was the first time I'd seen them. So they had no effect on me or anything that, that I've done. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, my job is to do the best interest for the, uh, pursue the state's best interest. If people want to support that, great. Uh, but at the end of the day, that's the calculation that I make. What happened to Susie Wiles? Look, the president um, asked me to, uh, to get the party in order. Um, and quite frankly, I had not been paying as much attention. I mean, I've been focusing on doing my job, but I think that we have the presidential race, we have key legislative races, and um, I think we're in a much better position to be able to move forward. President and I are aligned on that, and um, you know, we'll be working hard. Well, what led to your decision that she needed to be replaced specifically? I don't have any more comment. I wanted to get you to go back to something you said earlier. You said you needed to put the party in order. Could you sort of explain to me what, what you mean by that? As well? well, it wasn't doing very much for eight months, was it? I mean, did you see anything that was done that were where there was any, any advancements being done? And so, look, I mean, at the end of the day, um, 
that was not something that I was focused on coming in. I mean, I had a government to run, I had all these initiatives, I had all this, but um, I think that um, you know, there's a lot of things we can do in Florida. It's an important state, um, and so we're going to be, be so willing to help out. Is satisfied with the current chairman? Or, uh, it means that uh, the first eight months, and I think the chairman would agree with this by the large if you ask Joe, um, you know, there, there wasn't a lot that, that, that was done in really moving the ball forward. So what I want to do is things like things that aren't necessarily sexy. I mean, voter registration, you know, finding folks who are unregistered, making sure people moving to Florida who, who agree with us are registered and, and, and being ready to vote, building out field organizations. It's not going to be like glitzy television commercials. It's not going to probably make political consultants wealthy, but it's the really kind of nit and gritty stuff uh, that makes a difference. And so we haven't really seen that. I think now you will see that. The, the gentleman who's running as the executive director now, he was actually the acting secretary of the VA federally. Um, he, was the, he was the chief of staff uh, from the VA. So the president knows him personally. We discussed uh, him uh, being a part of it. And, um, you know, and I think he's going to do a really good job. So, but I would just say, you know, we saw, you saw kind of what they did or didn't do, however you want to view that. But then now look, look at four months in the future and then take a look and see whether things are doing better. I think they will be. Thanks, Thank you, guys. Governor. The decision to oust Wiles could have serious repercussions for the president's re-election campaign. The conventional wisdom is that if Donald Trump loses Florida, he loses the election. The governor and cabinet vote to hire John MacGyver as the new chief judge at DOA, the Division of Administrative Hearings. MacGyver is an attorney in Ron DeSantis' legal office and one of only two people to apply for the job. Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed, who serves on the cabinet, says he's not really qualified. In fact, she says both of the applicants do not have the sort of people management experience they need to run DOA, an agency that is supposed to serve as a legal check on state agencies under the control of the governor. Freed wanted to re-advertise the position and start again, but she was outvoted by the governor, the attorney general, and the chief financial officer. Let's review some of the qualifications that we though hear, heard today. Together, they collectively participated in five cases in DOA. One had been a barred attorney for the state of Florida for 10 years and another seven, while the predecessor alone participated in practice law for two decades before his appointment. I want to be clear, it's not that these individuals are not good attorneys. My staff and I have met with them both several times, and we looked into their backgrounds, is that neither of these candidates rise to the level of what we feel is necessary for the chief administrative law judge. The chief judge will hire administrative law judges and those hires that direction and will set the tone and tenor for this court. And while I understand the age and professional experience aren't the only qualifications for some jobs, for this job, experience is fundamental and paramount. The chief judge needs experience and not only on legal and governmental matters. This is a leadership position, one that will build the DOA that will serve Floridians for years to come. In my opinion, neither of these candidates pays service to the importance of this position or to the people. It would be a failure to, to, to executive leadership if we did not find other candidates who are experienced with this. Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody is trying to focus more attention on the problem of suicide. She's especially concerned with the rising number of law enforcement officers who are taking their own lives. September is National Suicide Prevention Month. Uh, suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in the United States, claiming over 3,000 lives a year in Florida. We must talk openly about suicide among our veterans and law enforcement and first responders. When they put themselves between us and harm, they see things that are hard for us to even imagine, and it takes a, an extreme uh, toll on them. 
Studies show that they are more likely to suffer PTSD and depression as a result of it, and last year more police officers died by suicide than were killed in the line of duty. I was so glad to learn about the statewide Office for Suicide Prevention within the Department of Children and Families and their program focusing on suicide prevention and raising public awareness, and grateful to hear about other programs throughout our state, like the Crisis Center of Tampa Bay called First to Respond, Last to Ask for Help which encourages law enforcement and first responders to call 211 when they need help. Those that protect us must know they don't have to suffer in silence. They can ask for help, and we as a state are there for them. There are dozens of hotlines in communities throughout the state where police or anyone else can call for help. There's also a national hotline at 800-784-2433. That's 800-SUICIDE. Up next, we go one-on-one with Rick Wilson, a guy I like to think of as the Rickest of the Ricks. In fact, you get two Ricks for the price of one right after this. Florida is a great place to live and do business. Let's keep it that way. By supporting the Florida Competitive Workforce Act, legislators can do the right thing. To remain competitive globally, we must be a welcoming state for everyone to live, work, and play. 11 Fortune 500 companies, 35 major employers, and hundreds of small businesses support the act. And 68% agree it's wrong to discriminate in employment, public housing, and accommodations. Go to floridacompetes.org. Tell your legislator to hear the Florida Competitive Workforce Act. Next up on Sunrise, we welcome to the microphone the one, the only, the rickest of the ricks, Rick Wilson of Tallahassee, legendary GOP consultant and also one of the... uh, well, is it fair to say Trump haters or, or never Trumpers? I would say I'm an OG never Trumper. OG, and I yeah. generally hate the son of a bitch, but that's a separate <laughs> matter. He, he's also the author of a wonderful book called, uh, what is it? Everything Trump Touches Dies. That's correct. I was <clears throat> the New York Times number one bestseller. And if you think I'm ever going to get tired of hearing those words, you are mistaken. <laughs> There's just some wonderful quotes from that book. I pulled out a few of them. Not every Trump supporter is a racist, xenophobic, alt-right man-child. However, every racist, xenophobic, alt-right man-child is a Trump supporter. Nice. <laughs> uh, my, my hat's off to you, sir. Thank you, my friend. Let's talk about what's going on in D.C. right now. Uh, Speaker Nancy Pelosi will announce a formal impeachment inquiry of Donald Trump. Uh, my question is, is this the real thing now, or is this just another one of these D.C. sideshows? Because if you read the Washington Post, you see impeachment every day. Well, look, Rick, th- there's two threads of impeachment here. There's the shitty which I think there's plenty of evidence to say that he should, not only from the Ukraine case at the at the extant moment, but from a variety of other things with obstruction and self-dealing and emoluments, all these other things. But will it work is the second question. And an awful lot of Democrats think, oh, well, we'll impeach him in the House. He has to leave office. Well, that's not right. Yeah. It has to go to the Senate where Mitch McConnell will pull his pants down, show us his ass, and say, no, screw you. We're not doing it. They're not going to. They won't even take it up in more than a pro forma way. He'll have one 15-minute vote. Bang, boom, it's over. They will not work to do a conviction in the Senate. So the question a lot of people have is: Are you going to accomplish a political end with this that restrains Donald Trump's behavior and causes some accountability to enter the system at long last? And I don't think you really are necessarily going to get that with an impeachment that ends up in an acquittal in the Senate, and then Donald Trump will have raised. million online from his donors. He'll get out there and scream every day, they're trying to take me out, fund me, give me $5, Grandma. And then he will go around and say, I was exonerated twice. First Russia, then impeachment. I'm free. I'm good. It's fine. So 
what do you do instead? In my view, you have to hold Donald Trump accountable. The only set of tools in the toolbox is to use the impeachment procedure to start getting to some of this information that right now the White House has been stonewalling on, on matters across the board. I mean, we're not just talking about uh, Ukraine. We're talking about the Russia investigation. We're talking about a whole spectrum of corruption investigations that are going on right now. We're talking about the emoluments and the president basically self-dealing from the White House to boost his brand and to sell his mid-tier hotels and his golf courses and his resorts. Um, so all these things are going to add up if you have an impeachment procedure that is going to start bringing people in front of them where they can't claim executive privilege and they can't play games and the White House has to turn over documents and the White House has to cooperate with an, with an investigation. Now, if they choose not to, we're going to be in even more of a constitutional crisis. But right now, there's only one tool in the toolbox to hold Trump accountable at all, and that is the impeachment procedure. So is it possible this is <clears throat> sort of like Trump's briar patch, don't throw me in there, this helps him? There is an argument that this will help Donald Trump. Now, if the Democrats had some crafty people helping them and were doing this properly, they would understand this is not a political procedure. It's a public spectacle. It was the public spectacle that removed Richard Nixon from office, not the grinding legal procedures and the investigatory stuff. It was the spectacle of watching White House aides have to sit down in front of the mics on live camera and say, yes, we were recording it. Yes, the president authorized it. Yes, we paid off so-and-so. Yes, 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 we did these things. And there were very few of them willing to go to jail for the president. G. Gordon Liddy you know, was willing to be the badass and go to jail. Right. Um, but the rest of them got, you know, got sent up for perjuring themselves or for, you know, obstruction and things like that. Um, so, you know, there is an argument that Donald Trump is going to have a lot of fun with this. But if the Democrats understand it is a political spectacle, that is a show, it is a reality show, uh, not just a dull legal procedure, they may have some more success on the on the in this front. And if they don't do something, isn't that an abdication of everything it they is. were sent there? Oh, it, it absolutely is. And in, in fact. They were sent there in 2018 to hold Trump accountable. That is why all those suburban, those 42 Republican seats that got blown out in 2018, just destroyed. Those folks wanted somebody to go to Washington to be a check on Donald Trump. And because all elections are a referendum on the incumbent, 2020 will be something where they, you know, Democrats are going to decide, are we going to send people to D.C. from the White House on down who's going to hold this guy accountable? So... Now, do you think that the aides who have stonewalled so far are going to testify? I mean, Trump has pretty much kept everything from getting out by ordering his folks not to talk. Can't he do the same thing in impeachment hearing? He's going to try. And I think at that point, Congress is going to have to go with inherent contempt, which is a power that they have not exercised. And once they get to that level, they're going to be dragging people up there, kicking and screaming. And if they don't want to testify, well, they can be held in contempt. And the magical words that you will hear are, Sergeant at Arms, take that man into custody. And we will have a big old fight about it. And there will be lawsuits back and forth, and Washington will be in flames, maybe literally, and, at some As point. compared to today. Yeah. Right, right. But, but we're going to have a challenge where we're going to decide if the House of Representatives, as part of a co-equal branch of government, as part of the legislative branch, will exercise the prerogatives the constitutional founders intended for it to have, or if they're going to be scared of Donald Trump tweeting at them. That's kind of frightening when you think about it. It really it? is. Yeah. It, it really is. And, and, you know, I've said this a lot lately, and I, it's a depressing sort of realization. We don't live in a republic anymore. We live in a game show. 
And every day, the ringmaster of the game show goes out and he tweets something crazy or he does something terrible or he engages in some behavior that is, is on a spectrum from criminal to crazy. And the response so far with the Democrats in Congress, I mean, as, as a as a apostate Republican, as a guy who's been sent to exile because I won't I won't you know love Donald Trump, I won't I won't take the the knee for Donald Trump. I look at these guys and I'm like, there's no wonder we beat your asses for 25 years on all these races. It's not that we're such geniuses; that they're so bad at politics. Yeah. The- I've never seen a spectacle like the Democrats. You know, they have been given the perfect target. They have been given the common Silver enemy platter. that unites everyone. Mm-hmm. And they still can't get anything right. Uh, the, you know, the Corey Lewandowski hearings uh, now uh, a week ago, that guy did everything but take a dump on Jerry Nadler's desk and he walked out scot-free. Yeah. And they should have immediately known when he was lying to them and insulting them and assing off in that hearing, they should have said it right then. Sergeant at arms, take that man into custody. You are in contempt, sir. That's it. They need to bring some penalty and pain to people who are right now unaccountable. The the Trump folks are laughing at the fact that we have eliminated the power of the of the federal, you know, legislative branch to hold anyone to account. Donald Trump is basically right now indistinguishable from a, from royalty because the king cannot be prosecuted. The king cannot be accused of a crime. Whatever the king does is allowed. So how does it feel in the gulag these days? Well, you know, I keep being – the QAnon crazy people keep saying they're going to be sending me to Gitmo anytime soon, which, Ooh. you know, look, I like the sun. I like uh, I like the surf. I, I could do a fish fry every day. I and, bet in the winter it's really uh, nice. Right? Yeah. Right? And uh, But here's the thing. I wake up every morning and I'm happy to get, get moving. I love what I'm doing right now. Um, I'm I'm working on another book. I've got you know a ton of projects that are really cool and really exciting, and I get to rattle the cage of people every day, who I know. Eighty percent of the Republicans who put the red hat on and dance around and do the whole "I love Donald Trump so much" act. <laughs> you and I both know that the minute the lights and the, the microphones are turned, the lights are down, the microphones are off. They're like, "Oh my God, I can't stand this guy." Yeah, he's and they insane. can't believe what he's doing on a day to day basis. What the hell are we going to do? What's going to happen? They all know that this is a disaster. They recognize the long term cost to the party. And I, I spoke to somebody in the great state of Florida the other day in the, in the congressional delegation who is a very, po- very pro-Trump guy. And I said, you know, you realize how badly this is going to end, right? You, you get that you're heading towards a cliff. And even if he survives, the rest of you guys are going to have the stink of him all over you for a generation. And he's like, well, you know, what can I do? He's going to tweet about me. If I say anything, I'll get primaried. He'll do this. He'll do that. And this is a guy who publicly goes out every day and is like, completely on the team. Oh, the MAGA way. We've got to do this for the president. We're going to build the wall and all this stuff. And he's just an opportunistic liar. But, you know, look, I don't have to I don't have to wake up in the morning and worry about the fact that that people are going to go, "You were an enabler of this guy. You were one of the people who who for political reasons or for financial reasons sat there and took it and, and, and pushed it and allowed it to go forward and never stood up and never said a word. I mean, those guys, I think, are in some... I mean, it, so when the Nazis invaded France in 1940, the Vichy regime that rose up to support the Nazis, 
they tried to pretend that they were, oh, we're just the same guys we used to. We're just, we're going to run France. There have been some changes at the management yeah. level, but we're going to run the day-to-day. Marshall Patan's a hero. Yeah, he's what a good say? dude. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, there were two parts when the Germans were expelled from France. There was what they called the Operation Sauvage, which is when people basically tracked down the really bad guys and the collaborators and put bullets in their heads or hung them up, you know, from trees. And the Operation Legal, which is the long process of denazifying France. Right. There's going to have to be a process in the Republican Party when this is done, if there's going to be a Republican Party. And that's an open question in my mind right now. It's so tightly branded with Trump. If there's going to be a conservative-leaning free market party in the future, the guys that enabled him, there's going to have to be accountability at some level. You're going to have to look at these guys in the eye and go, we really want you to run again? I don't think so. Do we really want to have to recapitulate Trump a hundred, a thousand 10,000 times because the same people that were bobbing their heads up and down and saying, my God, he's a genius. I can't believe we we could ever have governed without Donald Trump. You know, they're not going to be able to flip around and go, well, I knew it was bad all along. I was telling people all along. I mean, I've got, you know, I've been around the block a few times. I've elected a lot of guys. I talked to a lot of people. I've got a deep bench of relationships. And the people that I've talked to who call me up and go, oh, my God, I can't believe this guy. It would it would pop your eyes out if you knew some of the names, and I I and I've kept their confidences because I I I have a kind of grisly fascination with it now. It's kind of amazing to watch them tweet stuff and go on Fox and say these things, and then the next day I will get a text message like, "On be effing leaveable. Can you eh, guess yeah. what he did now?" Or or and some of them even like, "Oh, I was in the room with him, and you wouldn't believe how crazy he was. He couldn't put two words together. I think he's senile. I think he's nuts. I think he's on drugs. You know." All this stuff. Yeah. Well, have you seen the suggest? I wrote an article in the past couple of days that said reporters are partly responsible for this because we edit his bites together yes. to make sense. If we would just let the bites run as he says them, people would say, what? The word salad that comes out of that man's mouth is it, it, it makes incoherence look like look like Proust. It is just crazy. And and I end up watching a lot of Trump video you of poor the, man. I know, right? <clears throat> yeah, a masochist, apparently. Um, but I watch a lot of Trump video, and some of this stuff is just mortifying. Some of it is just like, oh, my Lord, Grandpa needs to go to a home upstate where he can get the care he needs. Because uh, when he is just argle-bargling, as my grandmother would have said, that's all argle-bargle, boy. Um, he's just out there. I mean, words are just flying out of his mouth, and they are not strung together in a coherent logical, tangible fashion. And you're right. The, the idea that reporters sort of normalize the president because you got to sit in the editing booth and go, okay, we need 18 seconds of something that sounds like the the overall message. Or that, that makes sense. Right. Yeah. And, <laughs> and he's there. No, there's no sense in that in that forest. No. Is there anything that you wanted to say that you didn't get a chance to say? No, I'm, I mean, whatever you guys want. No, we're good. All we're right. Good. You've been listening to Rick Wilson on Sunrise. Thanks for having me. On today's agenda, Jesse Panuccio, who served as general counsel to former Governor Rick Scott and is an acting associate U.S. Attorney General, will speak to the Tallahassee Lawyers Chapter of the Federalist Society. The discussion centers on marijuana legal issues. It starts at noon at the FSU Law School in Tallahassee. The Florida Tech and Innovation Summit will be held by the James Madison Institute, the Florida Chamber Foundation, the Florida Technology Council, and the Center for Growth and Opportunity. Speakers are expected to include Senator Jeff Brandis and Representatives James Grant and Jason Fisher. They start at 8 at the University of Central Florida in Orlando. 
The Florida Association of Counties begins a two-day innovation and policy conference in Bay County today. It starts at 10 at the Sheridan Panama City Beach Golf and Spa Resort. Florida's Blue-Green Algae Task Force will continue a two-day meeting aimed at finding ways to reduce and prevent future outbreaks of toxic algae in waterways. They start at 9 at Florida Gulf Coast University in Naples. And the Children's Campaign will hold a news conference to release a new report about violence and victimization suffered by Florida girls. That's at 10 at the Florida Press Center in Tallahassee. And time once again for the continuing adventures of Florida Man, featuring a bathroom battery and the case of the telltale guacamole. A Florida man facing charges after a fight over a bathroom, the Pasco County Sheriff's Office says 36-year-old Cedric Wolford beat up another man for taking too long in the toilet. Both live at an assisted living facility in Hudson, but Wolford's now at a detention center in Land of Lakes. And a Florida woman ended up in jail after a fight that featured an avocado and a middle finger. The 72-year-old victim told police in Port St. Lucie that her 56-year-old roommate was upset and accused her of eating an avocado she'd been saving in the fridge. The victim responded by flipping her a bird, and a short time later, an avocado zoomed over her head, slammed it to the wall, and splattered her with the remains. Police found a green substance on the wall that appeared to be avocado, and they charged the woman with battery on a person 65 years of age or older. That's it for this edition of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee for Florida Politics. Back with a fresh batch of stories tomorrow.